You know, every time that spotlight flashes on me, I, my, when I walk around in shorts, my legs can stop traffic, so I hope that that's not too much of a glare on you. Uh, let me add my words of welcome and a very special welcome to those who are worshiping with us uh, in the Well Cafe. But if we have not met, I'm Jim Connor, and I'm privileged to, to serve as one of the pastors here at the First United Methodist Church of Mansfield. Uh, this weekend, we are celebrating the final weekend of our This is Christmas series. And beginning at two o'clock this afternoon, we will move into our Christmas Eve services. We have a wide variety of times that are listed in your bulletin, a wide variety of styles, and each of those services will be worth your investment of time. But let me assure you one thing, that no matter which service uh, you plan to attend, uh, that service is gonna be my favorite. Uh, so uh, we'll look forward to, to your being there. Thank you for choosing to be here this morning. In, in this series, uh, we have focused on traditions. We focused on children, we focused on trees, uh, family trees. Uh, and this morning we get to focus on something a lot of us like to do, uh, talk about food, but not just talk about food, eat food. It is the taste of Christmas. We all have our favorite uh, sweets and treats. Uh, and my mouth is watering in anticipation of, of what awaits us in the atrium following uh, this service. But for those of you who know me well, you know that I'm probably not uh, the best person to invite over. I'm not the easiest guest when it comes to food outings or taste testing. I've spent years developing my culinary quirks, my preferences. Some call me a picky eater. I still prefer to call myself a, one with a discerning palate. But the good news is we will not be focusing on my list of dislikes. It would take far too long for me to tell you those things I'm unwilling to try. But let me get the obligatory Christmas puns out of the way. Now, what is the difference between the English and the Christmas alphabet? The Christmas alphabet has no L. Yeah. What was Santa's little helper, why was Santa's little helper depressed? He had low elf esteem. And if athletes get athlete's foot, what do astronauts get? Mistletoe. <laughs> yeah, athlete's foot. I, uh, I made a pledge every year since I was in high school that I would wake up every morning and I would start with a, a, a quick jog. You know, that's the longest running joke on record. <laughs> Let us pray. Let now the words from my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and our minds be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. On a weekend when we focus on the, the taste of Christmas, uh, I want to look first at this whole concept of tasting. Uh, the American Heritage Dictionary defines tasting as to distinguish the flavor of something by, by putting it in your mouth, to, to experience or partake, to sample, uh, especially for the first time, to appreciate, to enjoy. I thought you might enjoy uh, in the beginning of this message to, to see uh, a clip from a, a TED talk I, I saw not too long ago. Uh, it's called First Taste and it uh, shows uh, some children uh, with their first experience with different kinds of food. Let's watch it now.
Now, for those of you who have little children, uh, you probably have seen some of those faces. Uh, I can remember back, let's be honest, I still make some of those faces. Um, but to this day, I, most of those uh, items that are on there, there's no way they would come close to my lips. Uh, I don't know what Vegemite is, I don't know what it tastes like, but I, I gotta imagine I would never try it. Uh, and I can, I can almost taste that uh, that lemon uh, with the young man with the bad hair day. Uh, <laughs> you know that taste was like, I mean, it's, it's so vivid. It's, it's so expressive. And isn't it so exciting when we, when we taste something for the first time, especially when we like it, when we love it. We, we, we want to put our hands in the air and celebrate. We want to sing. We want to dance. We want to tell people about it. Uh, the scriptures are full of food talk. Uh, Shay and I decided to... Uh, that the scripture we would center our messages on for uh, this weekend were from the 34th Psalm, verses 4 to 8. They can be found in the, the Pew Bibles, uh, in the Blue Bibles on page 869. And they'll be on the screen in front of you, but let me, let me read them to you. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. A little background on this story. Uh, David who wrote this uh, is on the run. He's a fugitive from Saul. Uh, he had pretended to be out of his mind uh, before Abimelech, a Philistine king, and, and, and was fleeing. And he, he ends up in this cave, which is the location that he writes uh, this psalm in. Uh, the first verse, one of the verses before, verse 4 reads, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Now, David is really, it, despite all this going on, he is absolutely in a great place. Uh, he's in a great place uh, because he's experienced God's goodness. And so after telling his own experience, David wants to uh, challenge us uh, to experience God's goodness as well. And he only can come from a personal encounter. We need to taste God's goodness. We need to see God's goodness. We need to experience God's goodness. And the only way we can do that is to try it. Um, somebody can tell you about the taste of something, taste what an orange is, taste what an apple is, taste what chocolate is, but until you actually taste it for the first time, you, you really only know part of the story. And so we, we need to help others taste Jesus to, to find out what God's like for themselves. I don't do a whole lot of shopping, but when I do, I try to time it around lunch and dinner hours. Uh, and I try to go to places that, that have those wonderful people, the saints who, who have those taste testing booths and trays. I've saved myself a lot of money and uh, I've eaten a lot of meals there. Uh, the concept beside, behind that form of advertising is, is try it, you'll like it. Now the problem is, as I've already confessed, I don't like a lot of things, so there's really only one or two of those folks that I will go and have food, and it gets a little tiring walking around the store real quickly and coming back to the same person hoping they don't recognize you. 
You know, from time to time we run across illustrations as pastors that are almost too good to be true and that's usually because they're not true. But sometimes it doesn't matter. And the story goes that at the University of Chicago Divinity School, each year they had what they called Baptist Day. And it was the day when they would invite all the Baptists in the Chicago area to come to the school. And I think the reason behind it was because they wanted the Baptist dollars to keep coming in. But on this day, folks were invited to bring their sack lunch and to go on the, the grassy lawn and to listen to, to one of the scholars at the school. And on this particular day, uh, they invited Paul Tillich. Dr. Tillich lectured for about two hours and he was challenging the, the resurrection of Jesus. And Tillich concluded since there was no such thing as the historical resurrection, he said the religious tradition was more or less mumbo jumbo because it was based on a relationship with a risen Jesus who in fact never really rose from the dead in a literal sense. sense. And he then asked if there were any questions. I want you to imagine that audience and how they would hear that. And I want you to imagine us being that audience and hearing that, we, we would not be happy. Well, after about 30 seconds, an older African-American preacher stood up. He was munching on an apple and he kept munching on it as he, as he said some things. He said, Dr. Tillich, I, I haven't read all the books that you've read. I, I can't recite the scriptures in the original Greek and I don't know anything about Niebuhr or Heidegger, but I have a simple question for you. This apple that I'm eating, is it bitter or is it sweet? And Dr. Tillich paused for a moment and in exemplary scholarly fashion, he responded, I cannot possibly answer that question for I haven't tasted your apple. And the preacher dropped the core of the apple into the bag, crumpled it up, looked at Dr. Tillich and said, neither have you tasted my Jesus. Now the story goes that the thousand plus that were gathered there erupted in a thunderous ovation and Dr. Tillich thanked them kindly and exited stage left. Again, it probably didn't happen. And this is not a slam at Paul Tillich who's got some incredible writings. It's not a slam at the University of Chicago Divinity School, been there. It's, it's not a slam at, at those who are able to read the scriptures in the original Greek. It's not a slam at those who have a wonderful sense of theology. It's not, not a slam at Baptists. But it causes us all to, to ask one very important question. Have you tasted Jesus? As the old John Fisher song goes, have you seen Jesus my Lord? He's here in plain view. Take a look, open your eyes, he'll show it to you. Our responsibility, dear friends, is to continue to recognize and to see Jesus, to, to taste Jesus as if for the first time, and just as importantly, to help others to also taste Jesus for the first time. It was back in 1990, I think, when uh, Kellogg's came up with a advertising a slogan for their cornflakes. They, they have a, a reluctant man sitting behind a, a, a desk with a bowl of cornflakes in front of him. And he sits there with a spoon, takes a bite and he says, I'm surprised something this simple tastes this good. And then we hear the, the voice behind the commercial saying, Kellogg's cornflakes, taste them again 
for the first time. I think it's true that the, the more often we have something, the more often we see something, it sometimes loses a little bit of its flavor. And when it's that sweet that we've had for the 153rd time, it, it doesn't taste as good as it did that first time. But you know, we still have it that 153rd time and that 154th time. But we do need to capture a little bit of that enthusiasm, that energy, that excitement that comes from that first experience. When we have tasted and seen the goodness of God, when we have witnessed the life-giving, the life-saving grace of Jesus, we can't simply sit back, we can't hold back, and we can't backslide. We have to be energized. We have to be vocal in our witness and in our joy. The Bible makes abundantly clear that Jesus liked to eat food. He enjoyed the wedding feast at Cana. He fed the 5,000. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. He sat at the table with his disciples. We know on that last night, he had a final meal with them. We call it the Last Supper. But there are two examples that happened after he died that I think are worth looking at for a moment. In your blue Bibles, in your blue Bibles, page 1645, there's a verse that's found in the 24th chapter of Luke. It's verse 41, and this is how it reads. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Now I want you to kind of understand the scenario for this gathering in the, the 24th chapter. Jesus had been betrayed, he'd been wrongfully condemned, he had been put to death, he had been put in a tomb, he was resurrected and came and was with the, was with the disciples. And what's the question he asked them? Do you have anything here to eat? And the question is, was Jesus hungry? And I'm gonna tell you, I'm not sure he was. <laughs> uh, but I am gonna tell you that the reason I think Jesus asked them if they had anything there to eat was because he was finding a way to help the disciples know that he really was there with them. And isn't that the way it is for us as well? They had all these experiences of Jesus being with them at meals. And hasn't Jesus been at meals with us? Isn't he that uninvited guest? As I think back to the, uh, the way I've learned uh, stories of faith, uh, I'm brought back to my Sunday lunch meals at, at home Dad was a preacher, mom was a teacher. And while our family, I'm the youngest of three sons, while we always didn't eat meals together, we always had Sunday meal after church. Mom would put a roast in the oven and we'd come back, come back after church and we'd walk into the house and there was that incredible smell. And then there were those pull apart rolls that you could open up and put butter on them and the butter would melt and would flow onto the plate and onto your lap and you taste that buttery roll and all was good. But it was at that table where, where we were able to talk about what happened in the morning at church, where we were able to talk about what was happening that week, where we were able to understand the importance of family and love and faith and God. Something special happens around the table. 
when a, a couple first decides to, to go out or they want to get to know each other, I, I know going to movies is, is something that sometimes is thought of as a good thing for a first date, but it's not anywhere near as good as going out for a meal. Some of you might go out for coffee. I don't like coffee, so I would, I would suggest going out for a meal. Something happens when we sit around a table, when we sit face to face, and we have a chance to engage in conversation. And Jesus is there with us when we do that. This past weekend, or this past week, afforded me a couple of wonderful opportunities to, to enjoy uh, the reality of, of Jesus at meals. We, we had a huge gathering, uh, the Boomers and Beyond uh, filled uh, our gym. Uh, what a wonderful group those folks are. Uh, and I'm one of those folks. I just want you to know that I'm a boomer. But to gather around the table, to share stories, to share that wonderful food, to share the program, to hear the singing, Jesus was certainly part of that gathering. The, the next day, the, the church staff, we had a luncheon, had a chance to sit down with colleagues and friends to, to talk about ministry, to talk about the church, to talk about what we are going to be doing over Christmas. And Jesus was certainly present in those gatherings. I, uh, I think as we approach each Christmas, we, we sometimes do things the way we've always done them. We, we have traditions and traditions are wonderful. But there's a little danger in tradition. Sometimes we're not able to, to repeat them as we have in the past and it takes away from the newness of the moment. I'm not sure I'll ever celebrate a Christmas like I did 25 years ago. Uh, my wife had had her first surgery for the brain tumor and we were in a hospital in Cincinnati. She just got out of the neurointensive care unit and, and my youngest son who's here was three months. Uh, my older son was two and a half years old. The two of them, my mom, my dad, uh, we, we celebrated Christmas in that hospital room. Uh, we exchanged some gifts, but, but that wasn't what was important. It was being together. But I'll never forget my dad thinking that we needed to eat something and running downstairs and going to the cafeteria, which was closed. Christmas Eve being closed. And, and he went to the vending machine and he got three ham sandwiches. Three vending machine ham sandwiches. And you know, that was a pretty amazing Christmas meal. But often, folks, it's really not what we're eating. It's who we're with. And it's acknowledging that we are always with Jesus. Uh, for those of us who are single, the, there are some meals that we share alone, but again, we're never really alone. The interesting thing about that passage from Luke is it goes on after verse 41 to say that they gave Jesus a piece of broiled fish and he ate it in their presence. Again, he was there, he's here, and he will be with us wherever we have our meals. There's one other resurrection uh, meal, or at least a conversation about food I want to bring up this morning. Chapter 21 in John, uh, it can be found in your blue Bibles on page 1685. Verses 15 through 17. When Jesus had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Jesus said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Every now and again when we're driving, we will run up to a corner and someone is standing there with a sign that says, we'll work for food. We don't know their story, but we really don't need to know their story. Uh, they could be homeless, they could be the working poor, they could be someone who's just had some incredible bad circumstances, but we know they're hungry. In a world where we produce enough food to feed everyone, it grieves me that 821 million folks go to sleep every evening on an empty stomach. One out of every three folks suffer from some form of malnutrition and it doesn't seem to be getting better. The good news about a season like Christmas is that, that people find ways that they often don't at other times of the year to, to do a little more sharing, the thinking a little bit more about their brothers and sisters that don't have as much. And so for places like uh, the Mansfield Mission Center and, and Meals on Wheels, they sometimes they're almost in a, in a situation where they have to turn away the, that food, or the, what's being offered, because they have enough. But it begs the question, and, and I just want to make sure you know the, the answer to this question. Do you think people are hungry the rest of the year too? And the answer is, okay, that was not quite with the enthusiasm I was looking for. <laughs> are people hungry the rest of the year too? Yes. Okay. I give thanks that we have the Mansfield Mission Center uh, that is able to provide 340 individuals a month with needed food assistance. I'm grateful that our church is one of the dis distribution centers for part of the Meals on Wheels outreach in Mansfield. We have five folks who deliver 13 meals five days a week, 52 weeks a year. I'm grateful that our church is a place where when people come in need of assistance, looking for some food, we can offer them a bag, we can offer them a smile, we can offer them words of assurance and hope. But people are hungering for not just food, they're hungering for forgiveness, for acceptance, for love, for grace, for friendship, for reconciliation. They're hungry for God's love. They're hungry for Jesus. Dear friends, I, I don't know what this Christmas meal will be like for you, what this Christmas will be like for you. But no matter how wonderful Christmases of the past have been, make this the best Christmas ever. Make this be the Christmas where you taste Jesus for the first time once again, where you fall in love with Jesus once again, and when you recognize the incredible gift that we have and that we're called to share. Let me add and end with one other quick illustration. It was a few days after Christmas and a mother was busy cleaning up her den, putting everything away, taking down the Christmas ornaments, the tree, 
And her son came in and saw her and said, Mom, what are you doing? She said, I'm, I'm putting away all the Christmas stuff. And he asked, why are you doing that? And she answered, so everything will be put back to normal again. And his response was, Mom, I, I don't want things to go back to normal again. Folks, let's uh, not have things go back to normal again. The most amazing thing about Christmas is when all has been packed away, God is still with us. Uh, that hasn't changed since that holy night long ago when the angels sang, when the shepherds fell down in fear. So let tonight, let tomorrow, let Tuesday be anything but normal. Visit the manger as, a, as if for the first time. Let it be extraordinary. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We have been faithful in our preparations. May we continue to be faithful in our recognition and celebration of God with us today, tomorrow, and always. Let's eat.